to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's so good to be in worship with you at the modern service here at 1045. Remind you this afternoon, four o'clock, Jazz Vespers in the Sanctuary, Healing and Wholeness service on Tuesday at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. Last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer. We looked at the, the words that Jesus says, pray then in this way when he teaches us to pray. We're gonna shift modes today. We're gonna look at the Serenity Prayer. The Serenity Prayer was written in the mid 20th century by the theologian, public intellectual, Reinhold Niebuhr. Probably one of the more influential American uh, thinkers of the 20th century. In 1950, he graced the front of uh, Time magazine. He wrote such books as Moral Man, Immoral Society, The Nature and Destiny of Man. He was quite a powerful thinker, although I disagree with a lot he said. <laughs> well, you get kind of a, <laughs> the theme of it here in the uh, Serenity Prayer. But I'm also, I've... Um, I've chosen Isaiah 55 as our scripture passage to read the serenity prayer in light of. Now, I, it's nine verses, it's kind of long. If your mind wanders, wanders at the beginning, that's okay. But when we get to verse eight and nine, really dial it in and you wanna pay attention. Let us open our hearts and our minds for the, and ears for the word of the Lord. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight in yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David." See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know you shall run to, and shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Here you go. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, Courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. 
Lord, now may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In preparing for today, I remembered a time when I had to pray the serenity prayer. And I prayed it in a quite literal way. I was Courtney's date to one of her best friends and roommates from college wedding. Her name is Biz Forbes. It was quite an event. As it was at the Princeton University Chapel, the bride's dad is Steve Forbes. It was going to be attended by a lot of high society folks. And being a kid from Spokane, Washington, I felt a little out of place around all these highfalutin folks. And I wanted to look my best. And so I, I wore the nicest suit I had to the rehearsal dinner. And the day for the wedding came. Now, Cordy was in the bridal party, which meant I was left to my own devices. And I put on the tuxedo I had recently purchased for events like this. I tied my bow tie myself while watching the YouTube instructional video. I was ready to go. When the time for the wedding came, and there's this, University Chapel sits on this hill, and there's this long road that leads up to it. And I was careful walking up this road every step of the way, because I had brand new dress shoes, and I didn't want to slip and embarrass myself. Then as I walked up the hill, I surveyed the guests milling around out front, waiting to go into the chapel. It was quite a sight. The women dressed to the nines, the kids playing with flowers and candy. There was music to kind of set the mood of the affair. Then I made a keen observation that sent shivers down my back to this day. I began looking at all the men lining up to go into the chapel for the wedding. And they are all wearing suits. Not a single person had a tuxedo on. None of the attendees had a tux on. The groomsmen were not wearing tuxes. The groom and the bride's father, no tuxes except me. Yours truly, Jeff Myers and the waiters. <laughs> Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. But I thought to myself, wait, I can change. I can run back to the hotel, change out of this, put on my suit from last night, and no one will know the difference. So I turn, and just as I'm about to start running back to the hotel, I hear, hey, Jeff, hey, Jeff, come sit with us. Oh, no. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change.
I had the wisdom to know that I could not make it to the hotel and back and not miss the wedding. So I said, well, here we go. The only tuxedo dressed man in this entire wedding. And I thought to myself, people are going to be asking me to get them drinks all night. <laughs> God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So that's what I did. I celebrated those nuptials that night as the most overdressed man in all of New Jersey. I think you all probably can identify with my story in one way or another, whether it's a mundane or a momentous event in your life. The serenity prayer is offered to all of those of us who wish we had better options, but we are stuck with the options we are given. The single mom who wishes she had more money to buy her kids better food, but is stuck with the food stamps she has. The soldier on the field of battle who wished he was born at a time of peace, but there he finds himself in a time of war. The man who's lost his life savings in a Ponzi scheme. And now he's forced to make the best of, with what he has. The person who's been given a terminal diagnosis when they had so much more life to live. We'll all find ourselves at times in our lives where we wish we had better options, but we're stuck with what we have. The serenity prayer is for you. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. In this prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray in language that is relational, intimate, parental language for the God of the universe. But today's prayer is for those who may not feel that close to God. Maybe you're asking, where is God? What if there is no God? The scripture text I chose comes from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 55. It speaks of God's bigness, or what theologians call God's transcendence. In those last two verses, Isaiah speaks from God's perspective, saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't know if you're like me when I read those words, but I'm like, thanks a lot. I don't live in the heavens. I live here on the ground. I'm... I'm Grateful for your ways are so much higher than my ways. Let me know what they are. My feet are on the ground. I'm stuck in this world. How am I to act? How am I to behave? How am I to move through the situations of my life? I'm very sympathetic to people who feel caught with no good options in their lives, wondering, God, what would you have me do? 
as a pastor and a preacher, I speak all the time about Jesus and God and theological truths. But most of my time is spent with people asking in my office, what am I supposed to do when the way isn't clear? What am I supposed to do when I have no good options? What is God's will then? And I believe this is the serenity prayer's brilliance. It helps us clarify the situation we are in to make the best out of bad options. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. There's a great distinction that the prayer gets at here. It's the difference between a problem and a dilemma. You see, a problem is something you can solve. A dilemma is something you just have to learn to live with. A problem is something you can solve. As you may know, the serenity prayer is prayed in thousands of rooms across America every week at Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And the starting point of getting hold of an addiction is to recognize that you have a problem and that you are powerless before it. And only by admitting that problem, you begin to solve it, to resolve it. To say no to whatever your addiction might be so that you can say a much greater yes to something else. Just this last week, I listened to an interview with the musician Jason Isbell. It's the 10th anniversary of his groundbreaking album, Southeastern. And he was talking about it in light of his alcohol addiction. And he said, I had to get sober. I've been 10 years sober now. I had to get sober to make this record. In many ways, this record is about my sobriety. He said, I'd lived half my life as a mess. And if I wanted to flourish in the second half, alcohol could not be a part of it. I had to say no so I could say a much greater yes to other things the rest of my life. And many of us have problems in our lives that are often self-inflicted. Addictions, consumer debt, not turning your homework in on time. <laughs> I could go on. But these are problems that can be solved. And there are people to help you solve them. Teachers, friends, support groups, counselors, therapists, church folk. We're here for you. And this prayer is for those people. God, grant me the courage to change the things I can. Help me fix the problems of life. But what do we do about the dilemmas? Because dilemmas are a bit different. They're not going to be solved or resolved. We have to learn to live with them. When Courtney and I began dating, I was trying to put my best foot forward. I wanted her to like me. I wanted her family to like me. I wanted her friends to like me. And at the time, one of the thing was clear is that none of them were going to like me because of my mode of transportation. I was driving an old champagne Toyota Avalon. It was what her brother called a hairdresser's car. Which I don't mean to besmirch the hairdressing community. 
but it was not the look I was going for at the time. To make matters worse, even though it's a Toyota, the motor would run forever, the other things on the car began to break down, such as the cooling and heating system. So I took it to a mechanic, asked him to diagnose the problem, come up with some solutions. He said, well, if you wanted me to fix it, I could, but it wouldn't be cheap. It's quite expensive. In fact, it would cost you more than the car is worth. <laughs> but I have a cheaper solution for you. I said, what is it? He says, either you can choose to have the cooling work or the heating work, but not both. That is a dilemma. Now, living in Georgia, I thought I made a wise decision. I said, let's keep the cooling system working, and we'll pray for a mild winter. And that was the winter of the snowpocalypse. <laughs> I would drive around in that car so bundled up, you would have thought I lived in Alaska. I'd go pick up Courtney for a date. Um, yeah, I'm on my way. Uh, <laughs> make sure you dress warmly. <laughs> This is a dilemma. The, situ the situations of our lives where we have to make lemonade out of lemons. We have to make the best of a bad situation. These are dilemmas. But I think, I think sometimes in the dilemmas of our lives, it allows us to think of new options. It allows us to innovate. There's out-of-the-box thinking. If we don't have enough money as a family to, to go on maybe the vacation we all had dreamed of, we come together and say, how can we dream up a staycation to find rest and relaxation ways that maybe we didn't anticipate or think about? Let's think of some new options. Those who are in business, maybe who have a declining revenue stream, and you're forced to think, how do we pivot out? What other options do we have? How else can we think about this? Or a loved one goes down with an illness, and a family and a community has to come together and say, how do we have to support this person in new ways, to come around them, to love them in ways that maybe we didn't think possible? Dilemmas offer us opportunities to think in otherwise ways we may not have done. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, oh, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Knowing the difference takes wisdom. I don't know if you knew this, but at the University of Chicago, there's a center for the study of practical wisdom. It's set up to study these religious and practical traditions about wisdom. And they published an article not too long ago that I came across of, and it has five kind of practices or ingredients for cultivating wisdom in your life. It begins, wisdom isn't something you can learn overnight by reading a textbook. It comes from experience, and in most cases, years of it. And then list the five key ingredients to cultivating wisdom. It says, be open to new experiences. To grow as a human being, you need to be open to the new and to the novel, which means you have to be open to being made uncomfortable. 
uncomfortable. That's how we grow in wisdom. Second, we need to show compassion and empathy to look at the lives of others and listen and learn from them to see what it's like to walk in another's shoes. And by doing that, we can cultivate wisdom in our own lives. Third, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Often in the mistakes, it's where we learn, it's where we grow, it's where we mature. Fourth, know when to ask for help. Who do you have on your speed dial list to ask advice from? Who's a mentor? Who's further along in the journey of life that they can offer you wisdom on your own journey? And fifth, set a good example. For by trying to be a good example for others, you instill wisdom more deeply in your own life. All that being said, though, I must tell you, your problem might be another person's dilemma. At the wedding in New Jersey, the reception, I finally reconnected with my wife. I make a beeline for her. And she may have recognized the panic slash anger on my face. She said, is everything okay? I said, no, not everything is okay. Look around. Do you notice that one is not like the others? I'm the only one wearing a tuxedo. She said, huh, I guess that's so. No big deal. No big deal. I'm the one who looks like a stuffed penguin up here. In that moment, I knew that's when I achieved true wisdom. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I said, okay, let's party. And then from that day on, people ask Courtney who she's married to. And she can always say, remember that wedding? The guy in the tux. (laughs) Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great prayer you offer us, how to tell the difference between problems and dilemmas. Lord, help us resolve the problems in our lives that we need to. Lord, though, give us serenity for those dilemmas in our lives that we need to learn to live with. And in all of it, give us wisdom as we journey on this life together. I thank you for this beautiful people we're a part of here at RPC. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.